0: And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
2: That is the sound and the song of what a freaking fight card that was. That's what we're calling the song. What a freaking fight card it was. UFC Austin delivered in spades. We had high expectations for it from the get-go, and it actually exceeded those expectations by a wide margin. And in the end, Josh Emmett picks up the biggest win of his career, a split decision win over Calvin Cater in the main event. He called for a title shot against the winner of the Alexander Volkanovsky-Max Holloway Trilogy fight at UFC 276 coming up in two weeks from tonight, and we'll see if Josh M will get that, get that spot, but man, what a card this was from start to finish, we're very excited to talk all about it. I am Mike Keck. Thank you for joining us, and joining me right now, AK was supposed to be here. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but we got the man Jose Youngs. There's there's a K and there is Jose. Uh, hopefully did refreshed from that trip to Singapore. But I mean, how could you not be after this card? This card was electric. It probably woke you up a little bit, even if you were a little tired, right?
3: It felt real weird watching a fight on TV. This is why I think I did like four <laughs> or five streams of UFC fights live. So I'm like, get over these commercials, dog. Like I just want to be, you know. I want to hear I want to hear the punches but let's see if I remember how to do these post shows. I haven't done one since God knows when.
2: Well, let's start with the most MMA post show type of question because this is such a recency bias sport and you have been on the road covering these cards and you've been there for some pretty big moments but we've been pretty spoiled thus far in 2022. We've had some big fights. We've had some fun events. UFC London comes to mind. 275 was great this past Saturday. Columbus was good. This was excellent. And I know it just happened, so maybe we favored a little bit more because we just saw it. But was this the best card of the year, start to finish, in your eyes?
3: No. Yeah, I'd probably put a second or third. Uh, UFC London, I think, because if you just talk about excitement and all that kind of stuff, like this one had a lot of exciting finishes and everything, but I just think UFC London had a lot more there was just there was just something different in the air especially because like you know it was the first time they'd been to Europe since the pandemic they they they'd had canceled like two planned London trips before the it was like we always joke about how a lot, like there's like a lot of vegas cards and other fight cards in the US like the prelims it's pretty dead in the arena but like the London card was almost packed to the brim for the first second fight of the night so i would still probably put the london card first especially because you saw the the brits win that fight not that that's going to happen every time but it was just i feel like all the pieces all the pogs fell into the right place and all the marbles uh rolled the right way and then the UFC 275 if you want to argue is better i'm not going to argue against it mostly because you know that title fight was pretty epic valentina looks uh human Joanna retired It just felt like there was a lot more newsworthy things happening and a lot more high level fights between high level individuals this one was great if you want to tell me ufc austin was better than ufc 275 i'm not going to argue that either i just to me i still stick london ufc london at the top
2: yeah i mean the the crowd plays such a factor and the crowd was alive for this one especially for adrian yanez for kevin holland it seemed like There's a very pro-Calvin Cater crowd because Cater's sister lives in Texas, so there's probably Mm -hmm. a huge contingency. Uh, The Catermania t-shirts are probably running wild. And that's where we'll start, Jose, because there isn't like a big argument on Twitter with how this fight is scored, but it seems like the majority of folks scored it for Calvin Cater, 48-47 across the board, all three judges' scorecards. One scored it for Cater, two scored it for Josh Emmett. Clearly not a robbery, but how no. did you how?
3: Right. I had a three two for Josh Emmett, but look, I think me like most everyone else watching that fight had a two two going into the final round, and then that fifth round, if you want like again it's it was so- it's like tweet like I said this to a k on Twitter it's pretty much just like Felder versus Dan hooker someone's gonna be bothered by the main by the scorecards, and it could have gone either way like. If you want to tell me Paul Felder beat Dan Hooker, so be it. If you want to tell me Calvin Cater beat Josh Emmett, so be it. I'm not going to argue one way or another. I scored for Josh Emmett. I'm pretty sure you scored for Calvin Cater. When you say the majority of people scored for Calvin Cater, what's that? Six to four out of 10 people, probably six scored it for Calvin Cater. So it's like one more. So yeah, technically a majority. That's all you need for a majority. But it's not a robbery. If you want to, if you look at the numbers, sure, if you want to go by that. But Calvin Cater punched Josh Emmett a lot, a lot more. And Josh Emmett punched Calvin Cater a lot harder. So it's like, what do you score? How do you want to score that? It's it was an awesome fight. I scored for Emmett, you scored for Calvin Cater. And I hope eventually we can see this fight again down the line.
2: What's interesting is like you look at the scorecards and you and you're thinking the 48, 47s. Mm. There was one clear round in the fight. Yeah. One clear round. Round four for Calvin Cater. I mean, there yeah, is 100%. no doubt about it. That was the clearest round of the fight. One was close. I scored it for Cater. Two was close. I scored it for Cater. Three was an Emmett round to me. Even And a lot of people scored five for Cater. I have to rewatch the fight because when you're live blogging and trying to live recap, it's so hard to really pay attention. Um, but Chris Lee, I think Chris yeah. Lee kind of screwed Calvin Cater because scoring the fourth round for for Josh right. Emmett. I mean there's now, just there's, there's just no way. I'm
3: sorry. But, like if you ask me if it's a robbery based on the scorecards they actually put out, then yes, it is a robbery because you can't you can't formulate a coherent sentence while you're trying to argue that Josh Emmett won round 4. You just there's no <laughs> You just can't. You can't do it. So I think Josh Zemmett won, but based on the facts in front of me, because that's how I like to deal with these things in MMA, the facts are these are the three scorecards in front of me, and there's no way. Like That is a robbery. Giving Josh Zemmett round four is a robbery, and if that's what tipped it in favor of Josh Zemmett winning, then that's a big problem.
2: I will say, early on in the fight, at least for the first three rounds, I actually thought Cater's game plan was very solid. Like, Mm -hmm. don't—be a little cautious, land the jab, start adding in that elbow, which he was doing. And I think that elbow landed a lot more than he was being given credit for on the broadcast, which is why I might have given him some rounds that maybe others did not. But— I felt like the game plan really didn't evolve much. It was just, I think it was a little too cautious from Calvin. And I think that kind of cost him. I think if he turned the volume up just a little bit more, especially in that fifth round, maybe it's a different fight. But listen, I'm not in there. I, I ain't Tyson Chartier. I ain't Rob Font. But that's just like from the outside looking in, I was just like, man, I think they're going to be looking back at this yeah. thinking maybe we should have just turned up the volume a little bit more and just made this a little more clear. But yeah, man. Tough, great fight. I mean, great fight. Not no, it was awesome. away from either guy, but I feel like it was like a
3: high level martial arts competition that delivered for the state of Texas. And uh, I just wish that one scorecard wasn't. I wish we were talking about the fight and not that, that silly scorecard.
2: Yeah, it was a tremendous fight. Josh Emmett gets on the microphone, Jose, and he just looks at Dana White. D- D- dc didn't even ask him a question about what he wanted next he just answered everything in one shot he just wanted to go out and have some beers at the uh the austin breweries just answered all the questions that he was about to be asked and he said hey dana this big fight coming up july 2nd ufc 276 i'm gonna be sitting cage side to see who i'm fighting next give me my shot did this win give josh emmett what he wants or does he still need to win another fight maybe two at this point It might honestly, like, like, I know
3: a lot of people like to joke and poke fun at Dana White and what he says and how he hands out title shots. And his weird saying of like, um, timing means is everything when it came to Zhang Weili versus Yuana getting the title shot when Maria Rodriguez was, you know, not fighting. So it's like, that was a little weird, but like the timing might just work out for Josh because like Arnold Allen doesn't have a fight. And uh, who's the guy that just won? Was it a couple weeks ago? Wow, I'm gonna forget. He won. He won on the Jairus fight ever? card. Yes, oh, he's also. Yeah, does, yeah. He doesn't have a fight. So, like, there's a lot of other featherweights on the rise that, uh, you, I realistically like say, Holloway and Volkanovski were fighting in the Abu Dhabi card in October, or on the November card in Madison Square Garden, and then Josh Emmett would have to wait a long time. I would. I personally, and I'm not. Trying to give Josh Emmett's team any sort of advice on what he should do because they're the professional fighters and coaches, not me. I would probably get my fighter on the same time. So like fight one of those also because selfishly, I just want to see Arnold Allen fight josh Emmett really badly and all those featherweights uh but the two weeks you know he's pretty banged up and then i assume based on the first two fights between Volkanovski and holloway it's going to be one of those grueling fights that someone's going to have a lot of bruises on their face so the timing honestly might just line up for a fourth quarter title fight for josh emmett so uh should he take a second fight uh before that title fight maybe wait to see what happens because uh like i always say let's not match make before the fight happens because someone could you know Joe Lozon weighed in, and then he didn't fight. Dallas Cerrone weighed in and Phoenix, and they didn't fight. So let's wait for the fight to to finish before we see in who who's healthy and whatnot, but uh, timing might just work out for Josh in terms of a title fight.
2: We'll see what happens with the year and Ortega and... Oh, True. hi AK. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm doing great.
4: Uh, what a fun card. It was a fun That's card. It. Um, That's it, guys. All right, I'll see you later. That's all I want... <laughs>
2: See you later, AK. It's uh. I just dropped
4: it. Yep. That's it. Mic dropped.
2: That's <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: that's hilarious. What a, way, what a uh, way to end the show. AK. Uh huh. Is there gonna be a robbery review on this fight?
4: I don't think so. I don't think so. I, as people know, I, I don't watch uh, fights to score them as closely on actual fight night. You know, usually, usually I'm i'm watching uh i'm looking for the big swings i have the commentary on so not always the best indicator of who's winning a fight but i like to have that on just to get some vibe what's going because we're working on other stuff so uh but from what i saw like it was one it is a fight that needs to be watched closely which is why i don't want to give like a hard verdict on it but it did look super competitive it did look like a fight where the stats are going to say one thing uh but then if you watch the fight you know that's another aspect that really strongly has to be considered because the the stats aren't necessarily going to reflect sort of necessarily the power of you know emmett's punches or the power of of cater's punches for example i think like i think everyone watching the general idea was that you know emmett was hitting harder uh cater was hitting more and that's fine like that's reflected on the on-screen stats i haven't looked at the uh the official post-fight stats which you have pretty quickly i'll pull them up now um but again uh it's really hard for us to say casey always kind of brings this up like it it can always look like someone's hitting harder but i mean those jabs from from um uh cater excuse me could have been doing like nearly as much damage as as emmett's you know those those kind of winging bombs he throws so it was a super close like back and forth fight i'd be i I don't mind people disagreeing with the decision i saw a lot of uh, a lot of cater scorecards out there but i think calling a robbery is crazy it's just it's just a really competitive fight and um you know uh, i think if people if everyone gets a chance to get a second look at it they'll they won't be too upset uh we have the scorecard in the this screen is, there this th- i yes, will say this is
2: why i asked this question like, hey, look at <laughs> round, four,
4: round four round four 10-9 chris lee uh questionable questionable and it was literally and again if, you had, just sure. that, <laughs> if you had just scored that if you just scored that correctly uh, Calvin Cater's walking out with a split decision win now. So yeah, it's, listen, I, I, I don't know if people are mad cause they, they bet on the fights or again, they're Calvin Cater fans or, or again, they're just fans of proper judging. Um, but, uh, this is one I don't, it's, it's hard to call it controversial that one score definitely is, but again, the way, the way the fight was, uh, I don't think anyone can say like Emmett didn't do enough to win. I don't think anyone can say that like definitively, but then you could also make the same argument for Cater. So this is just a close fight. Close yeah. fights, not not all close fights are robberies and and things like that. So um I'm just looking at the official stats now. Again, they're they're what people would think uh huge round for Cater in the fourth, 41 significant strikes to 21. And it's not like a Rob Font uh Chito Vera situation where you know Emmett landed some big bomb in there to change the momentum, but I don't know. Maybe that's what Chris Lee saw somehow. He's cage side, we're not. Um, but that looks like pretty clear. Kate around that looked like a pretty clear Kate around watching, and the stats seemed to back that up.
2: Um, waiting to see what the bonuses are. I'm looking on social media. Apparently, some folks know what the bonuses are. I hope the UFC just gives everybody a bonus. This is one of those cards where all the finishers get bonuses because, I mean, you have. I mean, just it was just such a crazy card. It was such a ridiculous card. Kevin Holland looked pretty damn good tonight, did he not? AK, good lord. Dude, here we go uh, perfume robberies per
3: oh. helen ye who's on side dana White said everyone who got a finish tonight got a bonus plus main
2: event was fight of the night there you go so so technically i won i won the bonus off right because i was correct in my i think i was i picked Giannis, holland uh-huh. and emmett cater fight of the night so i win right because i was the only one to guess the fight of the night
4: uh, producer casey do you want an official ruling on this or uh let him let him have it we lost you, you lost you lost joe Lozon at uh, to, to, to apparently what was not a serious <laughs> serious knee injury and uh oh my and, uh, god calvin calvin, calvin cater maybe getting robbed i mean definitely at least again on what that one scorecard if it was just done properly then
2: that's a split nod for for calvin cater so for 30 on joe Lozon's ufc austin fight week <laughs> and th- maybe just the last couple months of Cerrone versus Lozon, but they did Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you, you got to throw in the street taco stuff. You got to throw that
4: in too. Absolutely. It's
2: absolutely. insane. It's all
4: part it's of it. It's absolutely thing. insane. Joe Lozon
2: Oddly hurts his knee, the- putting
3: socks on. <laughs> the rumored taco joint that Cowboy got sick from is
4: literally about 10 feet away from my apartment. So you're going to do some investigative reporting and check out these tacos for yourself?
3: I go once a week and I have never gone sick.
4: Okay. But hey, well, also- he said it
3: was... But I'm also a brown man, so tacos probably hit me a lot, <laughs> a lot easier than you know someone well, from not from Mexico.
4: Well, Soroni Cer- himself also refused to blame the street tacos. He said, "He said there's no way. He said everyone ate there. I'm the only one that got yeah. sick. Like my kids ate there. My team ate there. He's every- like, it wasn't." That
3: let's guy. let's stop disparaging the great yeah. establishment that is Taco Boys in downtown sure. Phoenix.
4: Uh, shout out Taco Boys, and and I wish gang gang. I wish Donald Cerrone would fight for uh, fighter, you know, better fighter negotiation rights the way he fights for street tacos, because mm-hmm. he was very adamant that he did not want street tacos well, I mean, to into this controversy. You can
3: only argue for one, and there's clearly a he's, priority for one. He's made his choice. He's made his choice. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the Bellator Champion
0: Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch, against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
5: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
2: Well, a man who also made a choice this week was Kevin Holland and made a choice to stop a man who stole some perfume on Friday and then on Saturday goes out there and just puts it on Tim means in the first round, almost put Tim away, Tim just showing a lot of grit and heart and determination hung around. And then Holland just put that choke in in the second round, gets the second round submission, gets on the mic and he calls out Sean Brady, AK. What did you think? How would you grade Kevin Holland's, Night in Austin tonight, just between the performance, the mic work, everything. What did you think? The yeah, more alleged superheroism, apparently, according to his manager, another
4: another crime stop. Yeah, it was a great. I love the call out. I love the call. Out. I actually, again, was working on something, so I didn't see it live until our our, our story went out and, and, I was, and I saw that headline. I was like, OK. I was like, that's a great call out. It, now, Sean Brady has been kind of, you know, angling for, for a bigger fight. So for, for Sean Brady, that's having to fight a guy behind you. But if you're Sean Brady, it's also a guy who has a, who has a name. It actually probably has a bigger name than you, if we're being honest. Kevin Holland has, has makes headlines again for both his stuff outside the cage and that incredible 2021 campaign. So he might be lower ranked, but he is a bigger name. So I don't know if Colin, Kevin Holland is also thinking uh, like playing some chess here and thinking will Sean like will Sean Brady take this fight? You know, for the reasons that I just mentioned. Because if he did, I mean, it's perfect it's perfect i don't know if it, it how close we are to making this happen but i think sean brady that's the way to go take a uh, go up against guy with a guy the big name you take him out yeah I, it's not gonna you know move him f- jump him up the rankings the way he's looking to but it's a very kevin holland would be a very very nice name to have on his resume um if you were able to beat him and same goes for uh, kevin holland sean brady is right now like the golden boy prospect at 170 uh you maybe even beyond prospect at this point point. and if kevin holland were to beat him Look, I've been saying he. I said after tonight, if he beats Tim Means, he's the real deal. I mean, that's two solid veterans, Alex Oliveira and, and the Dirty Bird. Uh, and now, if he took out another rising contender, three and zero at one seventy, man, Kevin Holland done it again. Another like a, a guy who's t- who was top ten at
2: one eighty five could be top ten at one seventy soon. So, breaking news. A little breaking news, bed Casey. I know. I mean, it's breaking news. I just heard from uh, from Mr. Brady to get his reaction to this call out from Kevin Holland. And he said, and you've probably seen on social media, so I'm not going to name names, but he said he's working on something else right now. The UFC is pushing for this thing that he is hoping to get. And if for some reason it doesn't happen, he would be thrilled to fight one Kevin Holland. So, Sean Brady's in, but he's got something else apparently that's on the stove, trying to cook that up real nice. And if for some reason the date's expired and it doesn't happen, he has to throw it in the trash. Kevin Holland, he will welcome into the octagon. So there's Sean Brady's response, a little exclusive here uh, on the UFC Austin post-fight show. But great performance for Kevin Holland. Jose, what do you think of welterweight Kevin Holland? And the guy, you know, it took him a round really to just kind of get his bearings under him with with the Cowboy Olivera fight. But Mm -hmm. since that first round ended, this dude has been like a man possessed in there.
3: Uh, this is the most impressed I've ever been with Kevin Holland, and that's even including like the Jacques so as a knockout and going five and zero in like eight months or whatever that it, that is. Because even the Ray fight, Ray had him down, and I just feel like Ray just wasn't taking it seriously. They were literally laughing at each other when he got punched in the face, and Tim Means took this fight seriously, tried to take him down, and Kevin Holland, who has routinely said he's bad at wrestling, had very good takedown defense and then choked out to mean so uh yeah kevin Hollins probably should have dropped down to welterweight a long time ago but he just kept winning and taking fights on short notice getting paid a lot of money to do that i don't think he could take fights on short notice like that at welterweight he his weight cuts probably not hard but it's not the easiest you know it's not like he can just walk in and weigh in like he does at middleweight so i uh, should have done this a long time ago there's a lot of fun fights for him at welterweight but yeah i have never Ever been more impressed with Kevin Holland than I have in this fight? He also just looked more focused in there in general. Like, remember when he who who was he fighting Brunson when he was like talking to Habib, like sitting cage side the whole fight? Was that that fight? <laughs> When he yeah, was just walking around talking to the crowd, both fights, they just bleed together for me. That was, he <laughs> lost like 10 rounds, 10 straight rounds of just being wrestled. Yeah, and he, he stunned Derek Brunson a few times, but then he got taken down and was like talking to Habib and Daniel Cormier in the middle of the fight. He wasn't doing any of that. He was all business in this fight card. So, uh, yeah, he was obviously having fun in there, but he was even telling the crowd to stop booing Tim Means. So, yeah, very impressed with Kevin Holland. Uh, and I, I want. I don't want to see him fight Sean Brady. I want to see him fight Daniel Rodriguez because that's the fight I want to see him fight today when he called him out in his last fight. So just make the Daniel Rodriguez fight. They can just slap each other for three, three rounds or five rounds and I will be a happy boy.
2: That's a great fight. I love that idea as well. Can't really go wrong with this, but I loved Kevin Holland's response because I mean, ever since UFC Boston in October of 2019, Kevin Holland's been talking about going down to 170. He just never mm-hmm. did it. And he said, "Once I do it, it's going to be great for me because then I'll actually approach this game with a, with a bit more discipline because I have to focus and use discipline to get to 170. When he's fighting at middleweight, he could just wake up on weigh-in day and just step on the scale and he's 186 at worst."
3: Everyone, everyone in the comment section seems to want him to fight Randy Brown. Like I've saw that a lot, or Michelle I mean, Pereira.
4: I think Bilal suggested it. I think Bilal threw out Randy Brown's yeah. name out there for him. And then, Is
3: it just because they're both tall and lanky? Is that why?
4: <laughs> I think they're around the same. Like We'd be yeah, around yeah, the yeah. same area in most people's rankings. But, I mean, yeah, that that's certainly part of it. Um, but, yeah, and Randy Brown responded. I think he said uh, that wouldn't be good for his, for his record or for his prospects at 170
2: if that happens. So, I think a little, a little trash talk there. I like it. That's a good fight. Uh, yeah, I like what I'm seeing with Kevin at 170. He can't go wrong, and... We'll see what happens, but just uh, just another piece of this just really exciting card that got over Joaquin Buckley great win over Albert Duraev. best Joaquin Buckley's looked in his career. I know,
1: Amazing.
2: yeah, I know he's had some incredible moments. He's in the Bob O'Reilly package for the UFC probably multiple times, but this is one, one of, of those West four made in the road like
3: stuck him in a music video, which is. Something that is infinitely bigger than anything anyone in the UFC will do right now outside of Conor <laughs> McGregor.
2: Demir is gulov Great fight against Guram Kutateladze. It could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. If you're Guram's team, I think you have a case to say that you were you were herb deaned. In this fight, because of the <laughs> not illegal, illegal knee that was called, uh, could have been the difference of the fight, honestly. And in the end, Izba Gulov wins a, at first, majority decision, because we saw, it, we it was read at 28-28, which is just, I, I was actually angry when I heard that. Literally angry. But then the great Brennan Fitzgerald calmed me down, clarified. It was actually a 29-28 Guram card making the split decision Gregory Rodriguez doing Gregory Rodriguez things Mike Beltran probably could have saved Julian Marquez from about 40 extra punches but Julian actually got a big shot in and made mm-hmm. things interesting but Rodriguez just beat him up but I want to talk about Adrian Yan is AK this guy was a hero in Austin biggest pop of the night people were excited it was not just the Adrian Giannis show. They weren't just happy to see him fight, but they were happy to see him fight Tony Kelly. Tony Kelly played the villain role to perfection, flipping off the Austin crowd at ceremonial weigh-ins, flipping on the way to the octagon. Adrian Giannis goes out there, just runs him over. First, The first left-hand Adrian landed, which didn't seem like it had a lot of impact, you could tell right away Tony was like, uh-oh. Oh, speak. uh-oh. Speaking of, oh
4: Adrian Yanez
3: is, we lost, is, Mike? Are
4: we are lost, we lost Mike? Mike. There's a big, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, I th- well, I think Mike wants us to <laughs> discuss Adrian Giannis. So listen, I'll just say, uh, Adrian Giannis has been so smart about leaning into this, the whole controversy with Tony Kelly. Um, and it, listen, maybe he even owes Tony Kelly for being a bit of a, a Dumas and, uh, and causing this controversy in the first place because they were already booked to fight. You know when the the incident in the uh, Andrew Lee corner happened, um uh, so everyone. That's why even on that night, people were like, "Man, I hope Adrian Nia is like you know beats this guy's ass when they when they meet up." So, um and he was smart to lean into it. Not everyone is comfortable doing that. Like you know, some people when there's a narrative that starts surrounding their fight, they kind of want to shy away from it. Jeff Molina, I think, is a good example. Of recently, you know, um he, he was very happy to wear sort of the Pride shorts, but at the same time. Uh, you know, if you listen to his interviews later, he was kind of like, oh, you know, I, I don't regret doing it at all, but I do kind of think it's kind of weird that I'm like getting all this credit for something that's just like just being a good human being and civil. So like he kind of didn't want it to distract from like what was a really good win for him in his most recent fight. Um, Adrian Yannis, on the other hand, it, it was like as soon as that Tony Kiss down, he's like, my, he's like, my Brazilian fam, don't worry, I got you. I got you. I'm going in the... <laughs> He, he was totally into it. He, he, he Every every opportunity he got, he, could, he would tweet about it, tweet about like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to shut this guy up and all that. Um, for the pre-fight stuff, he was into it. Uh, man, just flipping him off at the end of the fight, reciprocating kind of what Tony Kelly did at the start of the fight. That stuff was awesome. And then in the promo after, like, again, just repeating, repeating why why he was so jazzed up for this fight, why he felt he had to knock out Tony Kelly. Um, they were talking crap to each other after, uh, sorry, like before the decision was read uh uh aaron bronstetter from tsn reported there was uh because we got on the canadian broadcast on uh we got in between round stuff on fight path oh this is on the main card but either way we got some in between round stuff. i don't know if it was all on espn plus but uh so there's some trash talk there and then yeah listen people have really embraced it he's like an honorary brazilian he did this for all his brazilian homies and 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 homieettes out there uh and it couldn't have been a better night for him. it was super exciting knockout uh I, I felt like Kerry Hatley might have allowed a few extra shots in there. Uh, so that was kind of ugly, but a lot of people seem to enjoy that too. I, I, I abhor violence, as people know, so I don't approve, regardless of how I feel about Tony Kelly's comments and general attitude. But uh, it looked like he he got his comeuppance and then some, uh, if, that is what, uh, if that is what people were looking
2: for. Jose, we see these performances from time to time where fighters are like hardcore fans delights their prospects are excited about the hardcores who He is, they all love him. They can't wait to see him. And then you have sort of a performance in a moment where you cross over, not just from the hardcore fans delight, but now you reach a different kind of audience. You take that next step, not quite a superstar, but you take that step from hardcore guy to, you know, a, a guy, more people know on the cusp, the precipice, if you will, of maybe becoming a star, And then you take that next step after that. Do you feel like Giannis took that step from sort of the exciting prospect, the hardcore fans delight into the more the casual fans are familiar with him now? Was the performance, the reaction after everything that happened, did that take Giannis up a level in the eyes of fans consistently?
3: Nope, because casual fans don't watch uh, Fight Nights often. They usually watch the pay-per-view. So uh, should it? Yes. I'm gonna say a big hard no, uh, and that's unfortunate because I think Adrian is, is a future superstar, future title challenger, and I'm without a doubt one of the more exciting. I'm gonna still call him a prospect, uh, yeah, because mostly because he hasn't fought anyone in the top 15 yet. Uh, he's without a doubt the most exciting prospect at bantamweight, one of the most exciting prospects in all of MMA. I wish he got you know some of the promotional push too because we see these fi- these fighters that do cross over to the quote unquote casual fans. The ufc gets behind them and i didn't see a lot of what like the ufc wasn't pushing this adriana is fighting a guy who said racial things because the ufc doesn't want people to know that one of their fighters said racial things to another fighter to hyper up they weren't pushing that narrative so naturally the casual fans didn't know that was the narrative because they're flipping hey it's also on espn plus this is on ufc on abc maybe if someone is for whatever reason is just surfing ESPN Plus ESPN Plus, if that's a thing that people do and they say, I'm gonna turn this on, and they turned on the Adrian Giannis fight, they probably didn't know that story. They just said, Oh, this Hispanic dude from like Southeast Texas just beat this this dude with a bunch of goofy tattoos. So awesome performance, but I don't think anyone from the quote unquote casual realm noticed it and that's super unfortunate so i think he needs like if he fights if he does that sean o'malley the answer is obviously yes if he does someone that's someone in the top 15 the answer is obviously yes just this wasn't the performance that got him there yet fan like his best performance to date and it should have gotten him all the star power in the world i just don't think i don't think the metrics will show it to the casual fans
2: yeah i can i can definitely see where you're coming from there but i mean tony kelly Just leaning into all of it. (laughs) Did he miss weight? He missed weight. And then at the end, during that conversation that Aaron sort of transcribed on Twitter, it was Tony Kelling telling Adrian Yanez that he wasn't out. And Adrian's like, yeah, dude, you were out. Tony Kelly's response was, no, I wasn't out. You were out. I'm not dumb. (laughs) You're dumb. Yeah, very Pee Wee Herman. I know you are, but what am I? Infinity from Tony Kelly. And huge win. Great performance from Adrian Giannis. Sent the UFC Austin faithful home. Happy. Roman Delizze kicked things off with a nasty knee. Not a lot of people saw him going out there and finishing Kyle Dawkins the way he did, but he did the damn thing. Phil Haas just put it on to run win. I mean, that was about as vicious of a beating as you will see in the middleweight division. Incredible performance from Phil Haas, who is now... No longer Megatron. He is no no hype. I believe that's what the nickname what? was. No hype. Stop it. And He's, yeah. stop. He's di- he, no. He's ditched Megatron. It's over. It's done. Megatron
4: wasn't great, but it's no hype. I believe it's no hype. According to Apology, it is no hype. Uh, um, yeah. This is yeah, well, the worst no name change. Megatron, uh, Megatron
3: is Megatron Cor- is bad guy though. was trying to you know wipe out all of humanity, and no hype is also very silly. And it's this also is Calvin almost Johnson.
4: Bad- great wide
2: receiver from the detroit
4: lions it's fine fair enough but this is also as bad this is almost as bad as Corey anderson going from 20 beast in 25 8 to overtime no that's the worst the worst the worst
3: one was when hector lombard went from lightning to show weather he just literally show weather
4: a word. was so confusing i'm
3: <laughs> not
5: <laughs> that like even one. mad at that
4: i'm not even mad at that because that's just confusing like maybe That's it's a great amazing. nickname. Maybe it's a great <laughs> nickname, and like just none of us ever understood what it meant. Because I still don't to this day. I don't
3: still understand not. what Hector Lombard does most of the time. So I just look at him and say, "Yep, yeah, cool, <laughs> bro," and I just move on.
2: Yeah. Uh, and by the way, props to Phil haas for coming out to the Rocks WWF theme song. That was incredible. That was amazing. Uh, Cody Staman. great. And then getting into it with Cormier. Wait, we're not getting him points for getting into it with Cormier for no reason. <laughs> And eh, they're friends now. It's okay. Everyone so, in the comments want section do.
3: wants to see uh, Phil Haas fight Walking Buckley next. I'm in for that.
2: Let's go. Yeah. That's a great matchup. I actually think it makes a lot of sense. And see that? I saw a the lot that The most muscular middleweight fight in the history of the UFC. I
3: mean, that's not true because Romero fought Apollo Costa in Anaheim. That's <laughs> the most That's the, most second, same. Same. <laughs> that's that's the second
2: most <laughs> muscular middleweight you are fight correct. You are correct, of sir. all time. <laughs> that's an excellent point. Um, yeah. Great. Cody Staven. Great win. First finish of the UFC. He's been waiting for that for all these fights. He finally gets it done. Eddie Weiland had the gloves off. Not sure if he's retired, but I hope, I really hope for his sake, the family's sake. And I hate being that guy to get on a microphone and say, this guy needs to retire, but I'm not going to say that. I just hope that that's the last time we see him take punches inside that octagon, because that was a bad loss. Uh, that was weirdly handled. That was weirdly yeah. handled. eh? That was weirdly handled.
4: Uh, it looked like we we yeah. don't know if we don't know if he's retiring. He uh, they mentioned before the fight he had just signed a four fight contract, which doesn't mean anything. Which doesn't mean anything. If you retire, you retire. Um, but yeah, he clearly had the gloves off uh, as the as the decision was being read. Not the decision, excuse me. The verdict, the f- result was being read and then they just kind of never went back to it uh so we never got to see if he tried to leave the gloves in the ring if he did and then you know there was no camera on it so just okay we'll pick him back up we got a fight coming up they were running through the fight they were running through the fights pretty quickly on the prelims um which is probably one reason why you know he didn't have an opening to maybe get an interview and announce a retirement but uh something to keep an eye out on but not official though he did not announce he
2: didn't have the chance to announce a retirement uh, Which is crazy uh, because there's down. like seven finishes on the prelims and they actually went overtime. They didn't let the translator get the final answer <laughs> out for the woman I want to talk about before his name, he gives the peep. His, his name is Fabiano. Very nice man. Fabi- Fabiano. Fabiano. Yes, he is a very nice man. Uh, good win for Maria Oliveira against Glory DePaulo. I actually scored it for DePaulo, but... Just fun scrap between two scrappers. Ricardo Hamos, holy cow, what a knockout that was. The spinning back elbow, beautifully timed. Jeremiah Wells, the real deal, Holyfield. Daniel Gracie fighters in the UFC, still undefeated between him, Sean Brady, and Pat Sabatini. Put some respect on Henzo Gracie Philly's name right now, and Daniel Gracie is a coach because that team is on Who's the cat that
3: right just now. won a couple weeks ago? He he'd tapped out Maximoff? Oh, he's and, um, Bartoski, well, Yeah, he has that. I forgot. He has very unfortunate well. tattoo. He has an unfortunate uh, tattoo, but he's
2: the man when he fights. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah Wells a great, but if we're talking, we're talking about great performance, but the person stock who rose more than anybody's on this entire card, and this is not even a conversation. This is not up for debate or discussion. As great as Adrian Yanez did tonight, Natalia Silva is the winner and it's not even close. Talk about somebody that no one even gave any thought to tonight. We just thought Jasmine, Jaz was going to go in there and just get on top of newcomer Natalia Silva and just win a 30, 27 decision. Natalia Silva showed up and showed out AK. Wow. Talk about a debut. 125. We were talking about this on the, the people's pre-fight show about how 125 is getting love, but it should be getting more love. Now you throw this woman into there. How fun is she? Because she looked phenomenal tonight. And she's only 25 years old. She's in that young cluster
4: with Casey O'Neill and Aaron Blanchfield and, and, uh, and uh, Manel Figueroa. Not uh, you know, not, she's not, she's over 30, but it only has what, 10, 12 pro fights. So feel free to throw Natalia Silva's name in there if you want, if you were that impressed tonight, because yeah, she was, she was one, she was styling on Jazz Davisius. just her, it was very entertaining to watch. And, Man, it was – Jazz Debezius looked lost – uh probably after like the midway point of round 2 like you rarely see a fighter like that like where you can very cl- uh, visibly see on their face that they have no answer for what their opponent's doing but that's where Jazz DeVizius was it was kind of scary it was kind of like scary how how lost she was um and how much she she she, she, was, she was uh getting the business put on her so i mean credit to her i guess for making it to the scorecards and not getting finished but um yeah natalia Sub looked great and listen we yeah we got to give her all the credit in the world because um uh, we had said on the i think uh, the pre-fight q a or the, well, the preview show i can't remember we were just like we just admitted we don't know much about her we don't know much about her i was picking holes in her record i was going like ah eh, you know she was like seven and zero, oh, oh, nine and zero, oh, whatever or, or nine and five ten and five something like that when she was facing one of oh no fighters you know doing regional fighter stuff and because i hadn't seen her before i was thinking like oh well maybe this is why you know this is why jazzy reese is a, is a favorite we just don't know a lot about her um uh, her opponent and uh, you know, hey, for all you any Natalia Silva stands out there, I didn't see that many, but if we missed your comment and you guys were big in Natalia Silva up and ch- and telling us to watch out, credit to you. Uh yeah, she was absolutely you're right, you're right about the stock, Mike, because it's you, to go from essentially pennies, pennies on the dollar to, I mean, a lot of people are going to want to, want to, want to buy in now. Uh, yeah, you can't do much better than that. So, and she kind of got a nice, again, that prelim headliner spot because of, uh, you know, the, the Lozon and Cerrone fight dropping out. So maybe there was a few more eyeballs on there than there would have been. I don't know. Maybe it didn't make a difference, but uh, yeah, great, great job by Natalia Silva. That was, that was dominant. I mean, that was a dominant flyweight decision.
2: Yeah. I think she's got sort of, Amanda Hebus vibes to her, where if she goes out and gets another win, another impressive performance, maybe she catches the eye of Dana White a little bit more. And maybe she just kind of gets shot up into a big fight real fast. But I mean, it's hard not to be impressed by her. What did you think, Jose? I mean, she's just super fun. That's high level martial arts at its best tonight.
3: Yeah, she beat the soul out of another woman on national television in a prime spot, and now people know. <laughs> people went from not knowing who she was to people knowing who she was. She had an absolutely delightful post-fight interview. I wish she knew what she said. Fortunately, Fabiano didn't get to say it because she talked so much. Yeah, uh, I think the Amanda Hiba's comparison is pretty spot on, but you know, maybe two, three years ago, shoot her up the rankings, but now 125 like a lot of people are saying that you know Valentina's cleaned out the division and she doesn't have any fights left and she's going to 135. I still want to see Valentina fight Misha Tate. I still want to see Valentina fight you know Alexa Grosso who has a big fight coming up. Macy Barber has another. fight. She filled in for Casey O'Neill uh, coming up. I'm pretty sure there's a lot. And Marin M- Manon has a big fight UFC Paris. There's a lot of fights for Valentina. I want to see happen. We can add this newcomer to the the mix, but. Let's pump the brakes on shooting her up the rankings and skipping over a lot of women. I want to see Valentina fight first.
2: Oh yeah, hundred percent. She's as Dana would say, she's in the mix comfortably. Don't again, but I'm with you. Don't shoot her up too high. Jazz and Jazz Devizias, fine fighter, but no, we're not putting. We weren't really putting her on the same level as like a Marina Maverick or a Casey O'Neill or anybody really in, in that echelon just yet. But I mean, what a way to to show up in your debut and first fight in over three years too, which makes it even more impressive. So good on her. She looked fantastic. With that being said, speaking of fantastic, let's go to the peeps and see what the fantastic peeps have to say. Hopefully. Oh, and Casey's here as well. And hopefully people are, uh, are a little bit nicer in the aftermath of this. Cause AK took to Twitter and apparently somebody <laughs> sent you a DM, just chastising you, blaming you for one of us saying that, Albert Duraev, that we picked Albert Duraev to beat Joaquin Buckley on the People's Pre-Fight Show, and that he changed his mind, and now we are just dunzo, like we're just horrible human beings. Why?
4: Why did I get? Why did I get blasted for this? Why? I, I was. I was. If anything, I was all in on Buckley. If anything, I was telling people that Buckley <laughs> was a logical upset pick, and uh, yeah, some strong language is aimed in my direction by a, uh, a very a very kind uh, gentleman or woman with a uh, NFT as a profile picture. So there you go. <laughs> They're just mad because they lost
3: 29% of their profile picture.
4: I was about to say, Ethereum? What's I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what I don't know. It's, all, it's all silly magic and fairy dust to me. Yeah. For Gaze. For Yeah. For All right. All
3: right. Here we go. Do you know Photoshop had a feature to export your images and NFTs? It's the most silly thing i would seen. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, they,
4: everyone yeah. wants in. Everyone so, wants in.
1: So let's keep, it on Buckley. <clears throat> let's keep it on Buckley, actually, because we did talk about this on the uh, fan Q&A. But um, maybe our opinion has
2: changed. Do you guys think Joaquin Buckley is a top 15 caliber fighter? Jose, let's get your thoughts. He looked great tonight. Uh, is this a top 15 guy? AK seems sold. Me and Casey were like, this, this guy is going to be a good fighter. People are still going to be excited to watch him. But the question I posed was, is he going to be a top 10 guy? Yeah, we went- I wasn't ready to go that route, but... Top 15? You think this is a top 15 middleweight?
3: Nah, not right now. Uh, there's a lot more impressive guys That like. If you tell me Driggs Duplessis is going to fight Walking Buckley, I'm going to pick Driggs Duplessis, who's not even in the top 15 yet. There are infinitely more interesting names outside of the top 15. Now, is Walking Buckley an exciting fight? If you're ta- asking, acts like pound for pound, most exciting middleweights, Walking Buckley is right there. We were talking about, is he going to crack the top 15 of the UFC by the end of the year? I don't think so. He's a lot of the questions I had about walking Buckley, he actually answered. And with flying, like I thought after like the first 30 seconds, like he was going to be exhausted in two minutes. Cause he was winging shots in there. Not only was he not tired, he just didn't slow down. So I was like, well, if walking Buckley can clean, can, you know, just have any sort of technique outside of just button matching Tekken combos at full speed until he knocks someone out. Then, then he's going to be impressive. Uh, if he does that nonstop for three rounds, he's going to be a super exciting fighter. I just don't know if he's going to be a top 15 guy. I don't know if he can get into the top 15 doing that. I'm not, I don't even know if he's top 25 right. Like, like, I don't even know if he's top 25. Like, if he fights Brad, does he beat Brad Tavares right now? Because Brad Tavares is like the benchmark for the top 15 a lot. Like, Izzy fought him. Edmund Shabazzian fought him. Like, if Joaquin Buckley fights Brad Tavares right now, I don't think he beats Brad Tavares. Hmm. So maybe like in a couple man. more fights. So not yet
1: what i'll say about buckley though cuz before the fight i would have said a big no but walking buckley is improving and that's mm-hmm. the most impressive part every fight um i think after his after his loss who did he lose to the italian fighter right the italian fighter I'm not Alessio
2: DiGerico. alessio yeah. DiCurico. Yeah. yeah
1: i think um I think he learned a lot from that, and I think he's actually just—he's just becoming a better fighter. Maybe it's because he's, he's making more money. I think he's training full time now. He doesn't have like—didn't didn't he work at Walgreens or something when he started in the UFC or something? It was like he was like a manager. He a pharmacy tech. Yeah, he pharmacy tech. So, and, and we don't take it—we as fans and media, we really gotta—it's—it's it's really hard to take that into account. How much these guys are just focused on their their full time fighting career now, and a lot of times I, when they when we first meet them, they're part time fighters you know so i'm not yeah i think i'm with jose i don't see buckley being a top 15 guy but at the rate he is improving who the heck knows because i was super impressed by him tonight and um he's just yeah he's a he's just a much better fighter you know not not reinvented but just more he's just better he just con- controls himself more he still did those kind of crazy kicks and stuff like that he tried it he still wants to you know that's still in him but, uh, yeah, I, I actually, um, my opinion of Joaquin Buckley is definitely going up.
3: Yeah, he's impressed the hell out of me. But like, mm-hmm. I don't think he beats, like, who did, who just fought? Like, I don't think he beats Jacob Malcoon right now. Jacob Malcoon is a really good wrestler and grappler. Mm-hmm. And I think he's one of those guys that's going to be like, a, like no one's going to want to fight him because he's not in the top 15 and his fights are going to be boring. I don't think Joaquin Buckley even beats him right now.
1: I don't think so, but Buckley is improving, so I would not be 100%. shocked. Yeah, and that's that, and that's why I'm still excited about the
2: walking Buckley, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Era. Um, Maybe do Buckley uh, Brennan Allen? That's not a bad idea either. Nah,
3: Brennan Allen wants to fight Fluffy Hernandez. He wants he wants a rematch, and I like that fight.
2: I'm I'm all in on Buckley. Know.
3: Buckley Hawes is. The, I love that fight.
1: I li- I like that fight too. Yeah, that's um, a great fight. I'm out, great fight. I'm super. I'm super. I was super high on um, Phil Hawes. And um, I think he's kind of hitting that hitting that potential that I saw in him. And I think this is a great fight for both those gentlemen. Yeah, I, I don't know when I'm going to stop
4: pinging against Phil Haas. I feel like if you go back <laughs> yeah, every time, yeah. Phil Haas. I think is you're, hot, the, you're you're on the other side of the Phil Haas kind and of. Yet, and and after every after every time <laughs> he wins, I go like I go. I, I think I say, guys, next time I'm done. I go like, guys, I'm done pinging against Phil Haas. I've definitely said this before, <laughs> at least two other times. And yet somehow I keep pinging against him, and I don't know why. All right. Uh,
0: And visit Bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure
3: you don't miss it. Phil uh, Haas was so agitated when he fought in New York. It just caught me off guard. It was such an av- agitated individual he was. <laughs>
4: He, he's um, he, listen. He's got a little attitude. Like I said, he yeah. he was agitated with with DC. I mean, he just had a big win, and yeah. suddenly his focus his focus was suddenly on on starting some weird little beef with uh, with Cormier. Like, you know. But I, I get he's that. A I chip. mean, he got, a chip, yeah, he got, he got a chip, and and it, 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 I think in the post fight interview, I think backstage, I think he's
1: I think from where I read online, he was like, "Sorry, I was just a little hyped up." And DC yeah. thought DC yeah. was really good at bringing him down. I think oh, DC, yeah. DC understood the situation. He didn't take it personal. Well, he took it a little personal,
4: but he 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 was a professional. He's like, "Hey, man, you know." Well, first he had to kind of meet force with force, saying like, "Hey, buddy, relax." Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't call you out. Uh, I don't know why you're coming out. He at doesn't pick
3: fights. I he don't pick it.
4: fights. Yeah, like he's like you didn't beat me, so I don't know where you're coming. At. So he kind of like confronted force with force first, which like immediately kind of stopped Phil Haas in his tracks, and then he kind of talked him down. And then the post fight interview was like just normal. It was like a normal. You couldn't tell because I know you guys didn't get that on ESPN Plus, right? You didn't see that dispute, no. right? No.
1: Yeah,
4: and and anyone who didn't see it wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have known they were ch- like kind of in each other's faces and arguing like two minutes before the that or thirty seconds yeah. before the interview took place. DC in general, I will say, I've been so critical of Cormier. I thought him and Cruz were a really good combination tonight. Him and, and Fitzgerald, of course. Fitzgerald did a great job running the show uh, as he always does, but did a really good job with these two. Do Corney and Cruz normally not like? Is this have we just ra- seen that rarely? Yeah, we haven't seen this combination in a while. Right, I feel like they work really well together. I don't know why. I think there was just a respect I, there. I like it a lot. It's yeah, because
3: I, I, uh, we've all interacted with Dominic Cruz, and Dominic <laughs> Cruz, when he's in the room, is without a doubt in his mind, the smartest man in the room, but he doesn't have two championships and doesn't have an Olympic wrestling captain. uh, Like, you know, so I, and I am as much like Slack, as I give Dominic Cruz, he understands mm -hmm. when there, he fully recognizes when there's someone with more accolades than him. So I think that's what we saw today.
4: There was one point where Cruz like threw to him, like he was Fitzgerald. Like he threw to him, like, uh, what happened? He's like, what happened there? DC? you want to break that down for us? And I I don't know if I've ever seen Cruz do that before and like I said, Cruz, like I always say, like as a broadcaster, isn't great, but as an analyst is outstanding. Um. So And and Cormier is, is also a great analyst, but sometimes when he's with his frat boy, you know, brother, uh, Joe yeah. Rogan, <laughs> yeah. it brings out the worst in him. But somehow they kind of like hit that right balance of like they weren't, they, they were still being like, you know, do, putting on an entertaining Funny broadcast. Personality, but, they weren't, yeah. but, also but not trying lines. too hard. Yeah, not yeah, trying not right too down. hard. He didn't feel like they were just and, putting on broadcaster voice to to you know just for the sake of doing it. This was like one of the best broadcasts I've listened to in a while. Was, I mean it was a great it was a great card too, which helped, but it was yeah. a very easy listen. It
3: was interesting because I love John Anik, but a lot of what John Anik talks about is like the backstories of these fights and like the like what happens leading up to this fight, you know, like he's like this he's setting the scene. Mistrail does that, but he doesn't do it nearly as much as Daniel Cormier. And Daniel Cormier clearly doesn't know a lot of these fighters' backstories. And Dominic Cruz doesn't know a lot of these fighters' backstories. And I actually spoke with Laura Sanko. Actually, she did the Road to the UFC because it was her and... um, John Gooden. uh, John Gooden that did Road to the UFC. And they didn't know nothing about any of the backstories from any of the fighters on the Road to the UFC. So all they could do was talk about what was happening in front of them. And it was great. And it was the best commentary I heard in a long time. And I think that's part of what we heard this week heard tonight too because like we don't know nothing yeah. about these two people so we're just going to talk about what we can see in front of us
2: yeah yeah it was uh it was a good combination Fitz mm-hmm. set the table very nicely dc yeah i, I agree with that <laughs> i thought dc actually dug in pretty well to this card um it seemed like the fighter meetings he probably asked the right questions because he probably had to like take lead in a lot of ways because Fitz is not really that guy although Fitz is a tremendous interviewer and things like that um but it's just it was just a great combination because Fitz has like that Massachusetts wit but it's always kind of hidden it's there and DC's just full of bubble and personality and he's funny and then Dominic Cruz is just not funny at all and it just but he's still very smart and intelligent and it all worked out nicely like when Cruz tries to be funny with like sometimes like him and felder and him and rogan will just like kind of joke around and it's like felt you never know if Cruz is actually like joking or if he's really serious we didn't hear any of that tonight it was just him talking about fights dc talking about fights Brendan Fitzgerald talking about barbecue as a vegetarian, <laughs> pissing off DC. I mean, we had some nice moments when there weren't fights going on. It was a great broadcast. Those it was. Guys it really was. Really was. It I saw
3: someone on I saw someone on Twitter say that there was so much time they had to kill that they just used all their material on the commercial breaks, and then they were just like, what do we talk about now? So they just had to talk about the fights.
1: <laughs> my, my favorite part of the whole broadcast was after the beginning of the third round and the main event, the, this is DC being funny, DC goes, man, some people are saying it's 2 0 Some people are saying it's uh, 2-0-Cater. Uh, and he goes, or oh, it could be 1-1.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know, covering all the bases. Cover, that's just good, good journalism. That's just good journalism. You're covering all the bases. Yes. <laughs> God, that's the best. Wow. That's no, yeah. that's terrific. <laughs> Facts only. Facts only. Facts only. Yeah. Right, um, true. <laughs> um how
1: yeah, about this?
2: Biggest surprise to look at, I think I think we just answered it before we went to the piece. I think it's gotta be Natalia Silva, right? She's got to be Of someone, a surprise someone not making their debut though. What about of someone not making
4: their debut? I'll say mine. The fight I was
1: Go. most off on. Uh, Kevin Holland. Hmm. I, uh, I know a lot, a, lot, a lot of people are super high on Kevin Holland. I think Kevin is a very entertaining fighter. I thought Tim Means was going to beat him up tonight. And whew, I was wrong. And, but I always say this. I love being wrong. I love being wrong. And um, Kevin Holland impressed the heck out of me. You can tell it, you can tell even Tim Means was impressed with the way he got his ass kicked tonight. He was like, <laughs> wow, I, that was a good job, Mr. Holland. And I really, I really enjoyed that sportsmanship in the cage tonight. And um, Kevin Holland is... Um, He's a legit dude. He's a legit top fifteen watch way. Um How high he'll go up the ladder, I do not know, but um, he is a very good fighter. And that was that was my personal biggest surprise on the card. That Who's that's
4: that? one of those great, that's one of those great fights and moments, so that you show to people who don't watch MMA or have a misconception mm-hmm. of what MMA is, like because you got an exciting fight. You got the the mixing of the martial arts, and then uh, and you also got like you said some some post fight sportsmanship camaraderie that would really mm-hmm. surprise people. Yeah, it was nice. Jose, what was your biggest surprise, or who was your biggest surprise? I'm going to
3: take it a different way in the sense that I can't believe there's only been. I am surprised that there's only in the history of the UFC there's only five spinning back elbow knockouts, and Ricardo and Hamos now has two of them. <laughs> so I can't believe it worked again. So I'm surprised. Not only did he do it, he did it again. So that's what I'm most surprised at. There's all because every like I was looking at well, there's a bunch of spinning back back fist like people have gotten hurt but spinning back elbow it's been who is it's uh it's been yuri it's been yeah. Ricardo Ramos is two yeah year? it's been molly that, mccann did that, yeah, and count? dong young uh, uh i don't know what don't that was i'm not sure that's it as, yeah i don't, I don't know, know that's i do the they, they counted as okay, that, that okay that's, that's one of one that's one of one yeah and then the and then the dong young came knocked out was it john hathaway back in the day yeah that's it there's been five, and Ricardo Ramos has two of them. So I'm I'm surprised that his opponent wasn't like, well, he did this once. Let's, you know,
4: not have this happen again. And then it happened again.
1: It was a big setup, did, too. And he
4: did not know. Was, he he oh, did not know what happened. He didn't see it coming and didn't know what happened after. He was so out of it. To the point
5: where he was and, like, hey, early stoppage. <laughs> yeah. He said
3: early stoppage. He had no idea. Me and New York Rick were doing the social media on the site. And I think the UFC photographers are fantastic getty was super slow today and they were really good all night except that fight (laughs) they did it all the shots they got were just a full bat like just Hamos's back nothing else they got none of the spinning back nothing i'll show you guys i'll show you guys after because i don't have them on file but like me and eric were like oh man if he was like three feet to the right or three feet to the left we would have gotten it when you were watching it live,
1: did you even realize what you saw? I thought I couldn't mm-hmm. even, because I was kind of watching, no. but like, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, did he just, I didn't even know what it was when it, when it initially happened. Much like the Yair knockout of uh, yeah, like yeah zombie, you were just kind of confused yeah. at first into the replay. I think the photographers, yep. were, the photographers were too. They, they just probably just weren't even taking photos at the time. No, they're just whatever.
3: Now, whenever <laughs> Ricardo Hamos fights, you're just going to be like, <laughs> the whole time. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, if you're the- yeah, You have to, you have to. AK, who was your biggest surprise? Oh, I'm definitely Jeremiah Wells. Not that
4: he won, I picked him to win. Oh yeah, um, Oof, but that was think. my not that I gamble, but when I did the No Bets Bard podcast uh, earlier this week with with uh, Jed Mashu, my I'm like my my unsolicited. He didn't even ask for it. I said, "Let me give you my lock of the week." As someone who never gambles, I said, "This fight's going to a decision." I'm like, "Court McGee fights go to a decision. That's what Court McGee does. They go to he goes to decision. Look at that, he'd lose. I think Jeremiah Wells. Lose, yeah. yeah, I thought Jeremiah Wells is really good. But I, I, I did not see him taking a one-shot bomb to the right to the jaw, just flattening him. We just don't see that. It's the second time he's ever been knocked out in his career. I mean, this guy gets into like pretty yeah. decent, like stand-up right. fights with with hard hitters. Um, but Jeremiah Wells is the real deal. This is three and zero now in the UFC. Three finishes, knocked out Worley Alves, which at the time was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe it's just a short notice uh, fluke type situation. Man, I don't think it is. I think this guy's legit. Um, so that was impressive. Just, again, no one, no one cracks Court McGee like that. This is his 20th UFC fight. Only the second time he's been knocked out. So that was really shocked me.
3: I feel bad for Court considering he's like the only fighter from Utah, like one <laughs> of the only players from Utah on the card. And there's Should've no on way there. he's fighting Utah now.
4: Should have been on there. Bobby Maximus, come on.
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> virtual high five, AK. I, I, I went the exact same route. It's Jeremiah Wells. Um, for that exact reason you just said. I, I picked Jeremiah to win the fight, but I didn't think it was going to go down like that. So good on him. It was a high-level combo, guys, too. It was
1: a 1-2, and then he did a switch. And instead of coming with a hook, the hook came from the – it became a rear hook. And it was just a great shot. And, like, I think I saw some, someone notice, too. Um, it was one of those shots, too, where Court McGee – you know, they always say, like, the worst the worst knockouts, the ones you don't even see. Court McGee saw the punch the whole time coming right at him. And he was just like – can't stop this, and just out cold. So um, <laughs> yeah, high level, high, high level technical knockouts tonight. Super,
2: yep. super fun. All right, we'll take one more.
1: Oh, one more, one
2: more, uh, ch- ch- one more. Could be the best one. Uh, while Casey looks, let me just
4: say sorry. While I'll, oh, you know, we. we <laughs> before, before, I just want to say that this. May have surpassed my gymnastics score. I don't remember what it was. I think I said like eight point five or eight point six, like maximum or something. Eight point six, yep. Yeah, and I was like, eh, it might. Well, no, I think it hit it. I think it hit it. But I will say though, I mean, if you want to make an argument that it surpassed it and it was like a nine, nine point five, close to a ten, I don't, I don't blame you because this card on the previous show, I was way off on predicting. Like I thought, because it was great. <laughs> like because the matchups on paper were really competitive, and normally, I, and I say, you know, when you have competitive matchups, you don't always get finishes. But this this event, I feel like we got. We, we saw, like, who these fighters really were, like, in the most positive way. Um, and I, I still think the matches on paper were really good. It's just that the winners, man, had, like, performances you just hadn't seen from them before. Cody stamen got his first UFC finish. Roman Delice, that knee was amazing. That knee in the clinch was, against the fence, was I've been awesome. I've never seen Roman Delise throw anything like that. J.M.R. Wells knocking out Court McGee, Natalia Silva coming out of nowhere and just schooling um, Jasmine Jezevisius. Even Adrian Yanez, like we all expected a knockout, but for, for him to deliver so emphatically, it was just like amazing. So yeah, it's rare you see a card that has so many matchups that are, they're not, they're clearly not mismatches. I think a lot of them were 50-50, 60-40 50, matchups. Uh, and yet you got this amazing emphatic finish. So uh, yeah, great job on the matchmakers and especially the fighters. And I'm glad they're all getting bonused up. Let's make that a normal thing. Finishes should be worth $50,000 or
2: more. Come on. Normalized and, finishing bonuses. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I'm sure the UFC gives a big thank you to the PFL uh, because they kind of set the bar very, very low for <laughs> yeah. the weekend. And the oh. UFC just took a rocket ship <laughs> right past them. <laughs> like the I'm sorry. They're going to keep – you're going to keep getting it on this channel until you fix the pacing of these cards because I'm not, I'm not spending nine hours on a Friday night watching pfl i'm not doing it i'm just not gonna do it so get better at the pacing we'll have some better things to say is lozon versus cowboy curse now if you guys missed this and i don't know if you have seen this or not but the fight was off lozon tells the story about how he locked his knee up putting socks on and then he <laughs> said normally this is something that he could just stretch out and it pops back into place it's a normal thing this happens to him all the time day and a half, nothing happens. He can't walk, can't put any weight on it. He's in a wheelchair getting wheeled around. He has to jump on his coach's back to get from place to place. Just really bad. So somebody sends him a YouTube video or some sort of video that he watched that was like, Hey, I I do this and I do these exercises. And when my knee locks up, I do this and it automatically comes back into place. And guess what Joe Lozon does? Takes this fan's advice watches the video knee pops back into place dude can walk he can hop up and down on it he can run he can move around and if that happened the day before he would have fought tonight against Donald Cerrone so insane he just can't believe it it's just it's actually funny at this point what Joe Lozon has gone through and this is crazy Dana White said at the press conference that he's not going to rebook the fight so I don't know. I think they're gonna try. But but really bo-
5: both
1: fight. guys are gonna fight again. So just,
2: I mean, what's the do rush? Mean? I mean, yeah. we're not, none of these guys are fighting six times this year. Like, just what's the rush? Like, you know, we're not using. Come on, just book them again. Who cares? I would like
1: to. I would like to see the book it at an agreed catch weight. Let these guys cut like to one sixty maybe. We we know they're lightweights, but don't don't make them give. A, there's no reason for them to both cut to one fifty five. Just. They've both done it two times now just for fun. Just you know, fight again, 165. We'll pretend it's 55 and just move on. So we don't have to worry about any bad tacos or you no know, weird dehydrated knees or anything. But I want to put this
2: last very positive comment up before we head out. This is why I love Fight Nights from Tyron Israel. You discover new fighters that have potential to become big fighters in the future. Listen... We, I, I feel I feel like we are as positive about these fight night cards as anybody can be, right? We try to find, if, if, if there's a bad main event, at least on paper, compared to others, and the card is just with a bunch of newcomers and maybe like one or two fight vets, I think we try to do our best to highlight those fights, try to find the positives in a card that a lot of people just aren't like rushing out to make sure that they're home for. To watch because we have to fill these nights we have to fill these slots it's mandated we got to do it the ufc sometimes just cobbles these cards together and we get what we get and sometimes people think you're negative by saying this is not the greatest card of all time and things of that nature and i think it's fair to judge cards from time to time like that however when we have a card like this with a crowd you're out of the damn apex it's not looking like an episode of wwe raw it's difference the crowds into it. You have the Adrian Giannis moment, you have the Kevin Holland moment, you have all these cool things that happen throughout the card. It's just so much better. And this card delivered all of that. Tyrone's completely right because we had fighters we had questions about provide answers. And we had fighters we didn't even know about at all come out and become big like bigger stars mm-hmm. in the end of it. At least their stocks rise yeah. tremendously. This was an this was an A to an A plus card for sure, for everybody involved—the fighters, the fans, the people watching at home, everybody covering it—like we're all into it, we're all juiced up and jazzed up about it. This thing delivered in spades. Love this comment, Tyrone. A.K. Your final thoughts on this event? Yeah, this is—it's kind of like what you said. Listen, um,
4: we we've been bigging up this card for a while. I mean, as much as you can uh, in our business when we're covering you know cards every week. No, hey, excuse me. If this card, whatever, underperforms ratings wise, buzz wise, main, no one's talking about mainstream, whatever. Don't point the finger at us because we were saying this card looks awesome. It looks better than a pay per view, or at least the most recent pay per view we saw. It has kind of like for the reasons that that um, Tyrone pointed out in the comments, like. You got new names. You had people stepping up in big situations. I mean, this this was UFC London esque. I mean, UFC London was like the default answer. I think by the end of the year, we were all saying, "What you know? What was the best fight night card of the year?" It felt like, well, nothing's going to top UFC London. Um, I'm going to have to go back and look at that card and maybe rewatch some of those fights. This was right up there. Um, this didn't ha- now. This didn't have that awesome ending you got with Tom Aspinall taking out like a perennial heavyweight contender. So that you know might put that over the top for some people. Um, and maybe the crowd was a little bit more, you know, just a little bit more uh, and at, at, like louder, I guess, in in, in London. Um, this crowd, this crowd was pretty darn good too. Maybe they booed some stuff they shouldn't have. Maybe they were. I don't know maybe they weren't 100% into every fight, but again, this is a 13 fight card. I thought the, the Texas crowd did a great job being into it. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna have to look at these, stack these two cards up by the end of the year because this was this was outstanding stuff. And uh, one of those nights where we're just it was a pleasure, a pleasure to cover. And and it, right now, guys, it's not like two in the morning Eastern time, so <laughs> it's, it's it's all good, it's it's
2: nothing but positivity, yeah. And I love, Jose, I, I mean. Uh, think about i'll I'll, I'll let you wrap casey but jose think about this as as, as a fan of the high level martial arts competitions you go from ufc 275 to this card and then next week jose next week Mm. our worlds will collide a little bit because the man you are oh so high on is fighting the guy that i am oh so high on matush gamrot versus armand sarukian i mean talk about high level martial arts competition and then into international fight week jose this is like This is like MMA watching heaven for you right now, is it not?
3: Yeah, it really is because lightweight is the best division in (laughs) MMA. (laughs) Mataj Damarok is so good and Armin Sarukian is so good. And if they, they were in featherweight or bantamweight or welterweight, they'd probably be top six. But they're like, not e- are they even top 10? Like, if one of them is t- top 10, they're like number nine, maybe. Like, if you want to tell me Armin Surukid versus Mataj Gamera is fighting for is a title fight in 2024, I'm going to be like, yeah, obviously. They just happen to be fighting, you know, two years early on for five rounds. So sign me up for just that fight, and I'm in. And then obviously international fight week, that like Robbie Lawler might be like on the early prelim. So like, come on, that just tells you how good that fight card is going to be. So uh, yeah, every a lot of people in the MMA world like to you know poke fun at the UFC, and for whatever reason they try to say certain fights are better in Bellator or K or K or K S W and all this stuff. But like that's silly most of the times because you know the UFC for as weird of main events as they do, for Alexander Volkov versus Jairzinho at Rosenstreak, they give us five rounds of Mataj Gamrot versus Armin Sarukian. And if I get that, I will sit through 10 straight <laughs> subpar heavyweight main events if I can get this. Because then guess what happens later that month? We get Brian Ortega versus ia Rodriguez. That fight card is – that fight's going to be bananas too. So like sign me up for all the bad MMA heavyweight fights in the main event if this is what it leads to at least once or twice a year.
2: Love this fight. Casey, take us home, buddy.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, no, just – um. It's a
1: a joy watching fights sometimes uh, tonight. And tonight was one of those, uh, this afternoon was one of those days. Um, Yeah, I just, like like I said, like, I I love being wrong. I love being so off on Kevin Holland. I love seeing the improvements of Joaquin Buckley. I was bummed out about a couple of decisions. Uh, You know, there were three actual decisions in this card I did not agree with. But the card was awesome. Great job UFC making this fight, making this card happen. Great And great job giving more money to these fighters more bonuses uh this is awesome uh i feel like a lot of the fans and the media have maybe putting more pressure on the ufc hopefully that's why they're doing this because um the ufc comes down their regular you know whatever you get you get you know four performance bonuses but they gave out more money this is a good thing fighters deserve more money especially these fighters so um it's gonna be fun and the next few weeks of MMA, our MMA Saturdays are going to be awesome. Very excited.
2: Yes, we have a very busy week next week because we have PFL, Bellator, Ooh. BKFC, oh, and BKFC. Oh my God. BKFC, which is yeah. actually a pretty solid card too. And then UFC Vegas, whatever the hell it's going to be. UFC Awesome is what we're going to call it because it's Gamrot versus... And that fight is just going to be awesome. I cannot wait for it. The countdown is on. It's on to UFC Awesome, everybody. AK, I will see you tomorrow for another episode of On to the Next One, which will be available on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network before noon Eastern time. But until then, my friends, for AK, for Casey, for Jose, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching. Hope you enjoyed the fights as much as we did. Good night, everybody.
3: Golf sucks. Watch fighting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shot
1: That's <train> <laughs> Golf does not suck. It's okay. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch,